From the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now here's your host, Matt Andrews. Greetings and welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Thank you for joining us on this Thanksgiving weekend. We hope you've had a great holiday wherever you've been and however you've been spending it. Obviously, the football is extraordinary right now. Men's basketball, women's basketball for Ohio State on big-time Thanksgiving road trips. So we had a chance to comprise some of the best of with our Paul Keels, including some of his conversations with folks that were prevalent to Buckeye football during this season and in the past. We're going to start with this conversation with former Ohio State linebacker Matt Wilhelm, an integral part of the National Championship defensive team in 2002. Paul began his conversation with Wilhelm, asking him to compare this year's defensive team to the one they had in 2002. I think, uh, first and foremost, what, what they're doing that I love best that I think goes back to that 2002 National Championship team is uh, they're not giving up a lot of touchdowns. And I think, you know, that was the Achilles heel of some other great Buckeye teams uh, as of recent, you know, even under Ryan Day uh, last year with Jim Knowles. And I just uh, I'm excited to see how they continue to progress. And I think they were able to really look at, you know, some of the troubles that they had uh, on, the, on the defensive back end, uh, some issues along the front and address those in the offseason. And, and they've really eradicated a lot of those thus far this season. And, uh, and I guess lastly, the one thing that I, I love seeing is going back to 2002 and many other teams between now and then is the premier players, the four stars, the five stars, the guy that you, guys that you expect to make big plays in big moments are making those for the Buckeyes this year thus far. When we think back to 2002, Matt, that was a defense that really the offense had to kind of lean on a lot of times. Was part of what made that so special was just how together you guys were with your game plan? It, well, it absolutely was. And I think, you know, Coach D'Antonio uh, put a lot of pressure on us, uh, you know, by year two after, you know, Jim Trussell's year one. We, we learned a lot about each other uh, as players and staff and the mentality uh, that the coaches expected from us. Uh, but we understand the recipe for winning uh, under Jim Trussell in the early phases with the way the roster was currently constructed with some, some John Cooper recruit hangovers, myself included, amongst, uh, amongst many others. And some of the new faces, uh, Simon Frazier, Mike Kudla, uh, A.J. Hawk, some of the younger guys that got interjected in that 2002 season. And uh, we, we needed to figure out what works for us and what doesn't. And, and yes, we, most offenses, or I'll say most great quarterbacks, especially as you look at the National Football League, they want to have the football in their hands when the game is on the line. I think, at least I will say this as a defender, we embraced being the team that needed to get the stop or a turnover, or make that big play to either win a game and, and negate a touchdown or negate a field goal, or give that ball back to our offense who has the ability to go down the field and get some points. Matt, kind of knowing what the answer is, but how, was this, how significant was it for you and the other linebackers to have the defensive lineman in front of you that you had? Uh, for me, it was essentially what made me a great linebacker, uh, You know, leading the, lead, the team at that time in tackles, uh, also tackles for loss. Uh, that was attributed to two things. Some film study by me to anticipate where they were going to go and be there, but also being able to do it without getting blocked. And that all led back to how great our defensive line was, how selfless they were by taking double teams and allowing myself and CE and Robert Reynolds and, and AJ just scraping and, and cleaning up and making plays. Uh, that, again, that changed the game. That kind of put offenses, uh, you know, when they want to run on first down, you know, next thing you know, they have second and 12. They're off schedule. 
And that all played into our hands as a defense. Matt, when you think back to that national championship game, yourself included, is it amazing to look back at how many future pros were on the field in that game? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, the more and more you get out in the community, uh, now as a dad with a young football player, you meet a lot. And getting back to games, you meet a lot of people. Um, it almost seems, Paul, most of which who, were, who at least claim they were in the stadium for that 2002 <laughs> national championship game, uh, they all talk about, uh, first of all, I think in some cases, how many great players were on that Miami team that ended up in the National Football League. But then I shoot it right back to them, and I rattle off our starting defense. I think every single one of them uh, played at least multiple years in the National Football League. Then you go over to the offensive side, and you look at my, what Michael Jenkins did. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Adrian Clark, Alex Stepanovich, uh, you know, along the offensive line, Ben Hartsock, you know, hung around probably as long as I did in the National Football League, if not longer. So, uh, yes. I think at one time between both schools, like that played a substantial role between the Buckeyes and the Hurricanes that day. There's probably over 40 guys uh, that played a couple of years or more or had amazing careers in the National Football League just in that one game. That's our Paul Keels, the voice of the Buckeyes, with former Ohio State National Champion linebacker Matt Wilhelm. More of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue right here on the Ohio News Network. If you're obsessed with fantasy sports and gambling things, we have the slightly above average radio show for you. On the Money with Dave Biddle and Scotty Vegas. Presented by Bud Light. Sunday morning at 9 on The Fan. And now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. We, we continue along with a few of the archive Paul Keels segments shared throughout the Ohio State broadcast this year, including his time to catch up and chat with former Minnesota head coach Glenn Mason. Of course, the Golden Gophers were in town last weekend, and they lost for the 12th consecutive game to Ohio State. The Buckeyes have won seventh straight in Ohio Stadium and are 25-3 and all-time against Minnesota in the horseshoe. However, Mason was the head coach of Minnesota the last time Minnesota won here in Columbus. Mason was in his fifth year as the head coach of the Golden Gophers back in 2000 when he brought his team to Columbus and won 29-17. Now Paul Keels with former Buckeye player and assistant coach Glenn Mason. Keels starts the conversation asking Mason about his time being recruited by legendary Ohio State coach Woody Hayes. Well, it, it seems like, uh, you know, yesterday, and uh, I still remember the uh, getting recruited by, you know, Coach Hayes and him coming to my home and, uh, he was a great recruiter. As you know, I never talked about football, but uh, he wasn't afraid to ask for the sale. But I still remember as an 18-year-old freshman coming to the first team meeting and sitting in the back of the room, and Coach Hayes walked in, and and I mean this uh, with all respect, but, you know, he looked like an old man. He probably was about 54 years old, but with the gray hair and the glasses and everything. And I, I sat in the back of the room, and I and uh, as he started talking, going over a couple of things, I thought to myself, what the heck did I get myself into here? What comes to your mind when you think about coaching back at Ohio State under Earl Bruce, Glenn? Well, you know, I uh, I had the opportunity uh, to coach at Ohio State with Coach Bruce, and I also had the opportunity to coach with him at Iowa State. And Of course, he was an assistant coach when I was a player there. Uh, I've got a great affection for him. And, you know, uh, Earl hired me uh, um, from Ball State, uh, Back then, they had uh, economic problems, and there were coaching position cutbacks, and 
I really lost my job over economic reasons at Ball State, and Earl hired me at Iowa State, and then we had success there. We just didn't make very much money, and I got offered a position uh, at uh, uh, Illinois when Gary Moeller, a high state guy from Michigan, got the job, and he offered me eighteen thousand dollars. I was making eleven at Iowa State, and I just couldn't turn it down. I didn't want to leave, but I had to financially had to go. And uh, so I went there, and uh, and then after you know two years, uh, uh, Coach Aide called me up and hired me at Ohio State. I tell this story all the time. I was on a job about two weeks, and uh, Coach Aide walked in my office and he said, "Hey, we never talked about what we're going to pay you." And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "What should I pay you?" And you know, I was intimidated by Coach Aide, and I. I said, whatever you think is fair. And he sat down. He said, fair, huh? I said, yeah. He said, what were they paying at Illinois? I said, $18,000. He said, $18,000. He said, good, we'll pay you seventeen. <laughs> so I took a $1,000 pay cut to leave Illinois to go to Ohio State. But then when Coach Hayes got relieved of his duties, uh, Earl got the job, and he hired me back. And, you know, I... Uh, you know, I'll never forget that because obviously without him doing it, he, he could have said, hey, you left me once, I'm not going to hire you again. Let's fast forward to the year 2000, Glenn. You're coaching at the University of Minnesota. You bring your Gophers to Columbus, and Ron Johnson has a big day, and Minnesota gets their first win since the late 40s in Columbus. What do you recall about that day? <laughs> well, I remember that like yesterday, and you know, uh, the Gophers hadn't won in Columbus since 1949. Heck, Paul, I wasn't even born in 1949. You know, uh, but it was just an absolutely gorgeous day, and the, obviously the Buckeyes had a good team. And, you know, we had a we probably had an underrated team. Uh, we had the right pieces in place. We were you know, making progress. Uh, but everything, you know, for us to, to uh, be successful in Ohio Stadium on that day against the Buckeyes, we had to play good offensively, defensively in the kicking game, and that's you know what we did. We played good defense. We made some good plays, uh, calculated plays, and some blitzes worked. On offense, uh, Ron Johnson had just a, a banner day. We had a a transfer, a junior college transfer. Travis Cole was our quarterback, and by far he had his best day as a Gopher. And I'm including practice and everything. <laughs> uh, and then we had a, a wide receiver by Jermaine May, by the name of Jermaine Mays from. Uh, of Miami, Florida, and he came up to me on the side and he grabbed me. He said, "Coach, you got to call the pump block. You got to call it." He says, "I'll get it. I'm telling you, I'll get it." And I said, "Jermaine, I'm going to call. But if you rough that punter, I'll kill you." He said, "Coach, I'm not going to block it. I'm going to block it, and I'm going to score a touchdown." And that's exactly what he did. That's our Paul Keels with former Ohio State player and coach Glenn Mason. More of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue right here on the Ohio News Network. Hey, folks, it's game day, and the betting's going to be intense, Drew. You said it, Dave, but a good pregame routine keeps betting responsible. That's right. you got to pause before you play. Good call. Sports betting is hot, but it can be risky. And pausing to set limits is an all-star move. That's right, Dave. If you bet on sports, pause before you play to set limits, recognize the risk, and know when to stop. Learn more at pausebeforeyouplay.org. Do you want a job that is flexible, secure, and fun? It also offers excellent pay and is ranked as one of the best jobs in America, too. I'm talking about being a dental hygienist. And all you have to do is complete a two-year program after high school. 
Visit ODA.org to learn more and to start helping people love their smile. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. November is an ideal month to plant trees in Ohio because the soil is still warm, which reduces the transplant stress. Plus, trees require less water in November than in the heat of the summer, allowing roots to grow in the cooler temperatures. When planting trees, keep these tips in mind. Select trees that are zone-hardy for where you plan to plant. Avoid planting trees that produce slip hazards, like fruits and nuts close to sidewalks. And don't plant large trees near or under utility lines. To learn more about the November tree planting, contact an ISA-certified arborist near you by going to trees4ohio.org. That's trees4ohio.org. Ohio has over 920,000 diabetics. If you are a diabetic, take a step in the right direction by having your feet checked routinely by a podiatric physician, the most qualified doctors to care for your feet. Adding a podiatrist to your healthcare team can help you better manage the effects of diabetes on your feet. Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association podiatric physicians are located throughout the state. For more information or to find a member of the Ohio Foot and Ankle Medical Association near you, visit associationsadvanceohio.com. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our winning affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Worf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from the Ohio News Network. Do you or any of your family members, neighbors, or friends own a property that you just want to be done with it? If so, call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. Would it be convenient for you to take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. Call 614-470-2000. That's 614-470-2000. The fan, the fan, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Switching gears now from football topics to Ohio State men's ice hockey, where the voice of Ohio State men's hockey, Neil Sika, joined us to talk about the early season. Can you give us an idea of what's gone well and what needs to improve for this team? I guess we take that game to game, Maddie. It's interesting when you have a team from last year made the regional final. You lose your top two defensemen. You lose one of the best goaltenders in the conference, pro contracts. Some of those guys have already debuted in the NHL, 13 seniors, so a huge roster turnover. So you don't know what you got. You got 15 new players, a lot of grad transfers, some freshmen. And I think right now, Ohio State... While they were picked seventh in the Big Ten, they were ranked 15, in the top 15 nationally to start the year. So no one really knows. So it's been uh, a tough sled in the conference. But that is a juggernaut conference. And I think for Ohio State, the big issue is finding consistent scoring. Game to game, you don't know what you're going to get. And maybe it takes them a half a season to figure it out. Six of the seven teams in the league are ranked. You mentioned that. Let me ask you how you judge that based on past postseasons and how the league stacks up nationwide. Well, I think the just the level of talent in the conference in terms of young players, freshmen and sophomores who have been drafted or draft eligible, Michigan, Minnesota, that's always seemed to be um, – a simple thing for them to have those type of players. And now Michigan State and Wisconsin, who have had 
long periods of success in the past, but it's been a while since they've been successful in the Big Ten, are finding that again. And Notre Dame is a really tough team under Jeff Jackson. They seem to get a lot of good players. So a lot of it has to do with how you finished up last season and maybe the incoming crop. Because uh, more and more, like a Connor Bedard, where we saw with the Blackhawks, you saw so many of his games in the WHL. You can follow these guys in junior hockey at the USHL level in the U.S. development program and see how they're going to play out with your respective team. And I think in the Big Ten, they've done a, a great job of hallmark of recruiting to, to find these players and know that they're going to have uh, a pretty stable crop of talent going forward. Neil Seeker, the voice of Ohio State men's ice hockey, is our guest here on the Ohio Sports Magazine. You talked about the Buckeyes with 15 newcomers and two former players that are now on staff. Can you tell us about them a little bit and who Steve Relic is counting on on his staff? Paul Kirtland played here in the latter part of the 2010s to 2013. He's been an assistant coach at Yale and uh, in a couple other spots. I think he'll be great for recruiting back here in Columbus. And then Nate Gennon, who had a great career, was the captain in 2006 and seven. comes back, was in Pittsburgh, had a distinguished NHL run, played a few games with the Blue Jackets. A lot of his time was with Colorado. I think he'll help the defensemen. Um, kind of working in a video coordinator role. So just to have alums around the staff. Steve Rollick, who's a Wisconsin guy, has done a masterful job, though, of finding the alumni base throughout the generations of this program, which is in its 61st season, and tied them all together. And there's been a lot of great players and a lot of success that continues to bloom. And uh, his tenure shows that over the 11 years and where he's taken the team to 21 seasons in six of the last seven. I know we're still in fall. But how has the attendance been for a sport typically that is blossoming as you get into the winter? Yeah, well, the first series against Lindenwood, who's a second yeah. division, second year Division One program, was light. But I, the series against Michigan State was outstanding. I think the marketing has been really good, uh, and what they had Friday and Saturday night uh, they did a little ter- Taylor Swift eras night. So I think there's a great hockey core, a young hockey core. It's affordable. You can come out watch good teams play, but also Script Ohio on the ice, having that Saturday opposed to Friday after a Buckeye football game. Great, great crowds. Neil, give us a couple of names, Buckeye alums that are in the NHL to open the year, and can you tie it at all into Fantilli here with the Blue Jackets and what he did in Michigan? <laughs> well, <laughs> Dare we tie those two look, together in I this think, sport? I think the crop of Ohio State players last year will take the feather in their cap that they had good success against Adam Fantilli in Michigan Lost to him in the Big Ten semifinal, but that guy is on his way with Columbus, and I'd like to see him stick in the center position more. They had him on the wing to begin the year. Pascal Vincent's team kind of still figuring it out. But to flip it back to Ohio State, Mason Lorai, after his sophomore year, turns pro. Second-round pick of the Bruins. Made his debut last week. Scored a goal in his second game. Had an assist his first night. Really talented guy. Great kid. Son of a coach, I think he's going to be uh, in the NHL for a long time. And the best story is Matt Tompkins. A couple of nights ago, won his very first NHL game in goal. He's from Alberta. He played here from 2011 to 14, but it took him 13 years to get the call up to the NHL and get his first win uh, after three starts with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So wonderful to see. And he worked his tail off throughout his career at Ohio State and perseverance, resiliency for sure. We'll leave you with this. The arena is now quarter of a century old, 25 Crazy. years at the Shot and Seed Center. We went to school together. We were there when it opened up. We're getting old. <laughs> we are getting old, man. 
And I'm thinking to the days where we had to take that elevator to the top floor. We don't do that anymore because of everything draped off in the uh, at the upper bowl to make things a more intimate setting. But I think that there's been some great moments and memories that we've had, whether it's across hockey or men's or women's basketball. We can we can relish in that, and you can talk about the aesthetics in the building and uh, have your own personal opinion on the actual facility. But there's been a lot of success played at the Schottenstein Center in Value City Arena and look forward to more of that to come. Neil Sika, the Ohio Sports Magazine. We'll have more in a moment here on the Ohio News Network. Some coaches were born on third base. Other coaches reached on an error, got on second on a balk, third on a wild pitch and scored on a fielder's choice, then acted like he hit a homer. But this is only a metaphor. The fucking... Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Now let's check in on Cleveland. Eric Reeser joins us from the Ohio News Network. Talking with Chris Manning. He's the host of the Locked On Cavaliers and the Just Basketball podcast. You can read his Cleveland Cavaliers work at fearthesword.com. Chris, Cleveland was able to climb one game over 500 over the weekend with what I thought was a pretty big early season win, 121-106 over the defending champion Denver Nuggets. Uh, undrafted rookie Craig Porter had 21 points in that win. Chris, who is this person, and should Cavaliers expect him more with the NBA squad this season? I think there's now potentially a role for him, which I didn't expect. Right, This is a guy who has... I think really played himself into getting a longer look. This is a team that due to injuries, due to Ricky Rubio not being with the team, is in need of a backup point guard. And he's played up to it. He's a guy who five years in college, who took a, took a very unorthodox route to get to the NBA, not a particularly heralded player, but a guy that I think works really hard, is big, has real tangible skills that have transited right away. And, you know, in age-wise, it's, He's a rookie, but this, you know, he's with the way this works, you know, he's in college five years. He's like one month, him and Darius Garland are a month apart in terms of their birthdays. Like this is still a young guy, but a guy that comes in pretty, pretty well-rounded, pretty poised. And he stepped in at a moment where they absolutely needed them to. Chris, from a big picture standpoint, what did you make of the win against Denver? And does it mean more or does it not really mean a whole lot that the Cavs were able to win without Donovan Mitchell on the court? I think it's a little bit of yes and no. I think, number one, the game plan they had in that game, the the tempo they played at, the way they attacked Jokic and had a really good game plan to attack the middle of the floor, I think that is absolutely a sign that maybe they're figuring some things out. And certainly I think some of their role guys have looked better of late and that has helped. At the same time, the on-off splits for Mitchell this year remain huge. You know, they've had this three-game winning streak as we're, as we're talking, and two of those games are against two of the worst teams in the league in Portland and Detroit. So there's a little bit of, yes, I think they're finding some things that work, and certainly I think Darius Garland being back and looking healthy is, is the number one reason why. But I think also with how good Mitchell is, with how good he's been this year, they're just going to struggle without him. And, to, you know, as we're recording this, they haven't they've they have some tough games coming up. Their schedule has been tough so far to date. And when Mitchell's not been out there, I think you've seen just how important he, he is and, and how valuable what he does is. Over the last couple of weeks, Chris, how has your opinion of this team changed? Um, do you feel better or the same overall where this team can go uh, since we last spoke a couple of weeks ago? I think about the same, but what I, my caveat would be that it's now, I think it, it's, it looks like it's going to be a little bit harder. Um, I think number one, Philly is just better than I thought. Uh, that team, it looks really, really good. Maxie has been incredible for them. 
you know, Atlanta has a really potent offense. Miami is right in the thick of it. You know, like I thought they had a pretty clear path if they hit the ground running to get high up in the East and be in a good position. And now that, that path to, to that optimal scenario for them looks a little bit more difficult. They could end up in a very similar place to last year and, and be a four seed and still be a really good team. But I think their path to getting higher is a little bit lower. Uh, it, it's a little bit harder now, I should say. And I think they're so capable of a lot. I think we haven't seen the best of them yet. They haven't, you know, obviously with injuries and everything, have not hit the ground running by any stretch of the imagination. Things have perked up a little bit the last couple of weeks in particular, but I, there's still a long way to go. I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. And I think their path to maximizing season, just based on record, not even not about the quality of the team or anything. It's just the path to getting the high seed and having a real chance, I think, is a little bit more difficult than I would have thought coming into the season. Talking Cavaliers basketball with my guest, Chris Manning. Over the past month or so, I think there's been a lot of talk with Evan Mobley and sort of his development as he goes throughout this season. Just from the small sample size that we have, are things trending in the right direction for you so that Mobley can be the guy that this team needs for him come season's end? I think... The answer is, again, a little bit complicated. I think certainly, you know, the way that you've seen other guys in his draft class, I think leave Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner, I think in particular, certainly kind of leaves you wanting a little bit more. I don't think he's added a decisiveness on the short roll or a ton on offense that would lead you to think a breakout is coming, but he's had some really good games. He's still a really impactful defender. But I think, like, there, there's, it's not as negative as I think it has been framed in some ways, but I also don't think it's overwhelmingly positive either. It's been a little bit of recalculation for me, at least, as, okay, is he maybe more on the Jaron Jackson Jr. train than he is, like, the next KG? Like, defensively, I think he can hit that level, but the offensive side of it just hasn't come along fully. And even if there are some glimpses, there are some things he does well. There's still something missing there for him, and it's a real question to me to see like where that's going to end up you know, in a month and, and by the end of the year. Chris, there's been increased chatter over the past couple of weeks about how NBA games are going to be viewed, with some teams deciding to go their own way and offer services to fans, while others that are still connected to the RSN model, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, facing trouble financially with that RSN, thinking, how are we going to be able to show our games to our fans? What do you think the future is for the Cavs in terms of eyeballs on their product? I think it is on the Cavs more than anyone else to decide they want to do something better for their fans. And I think that, you know, with the Guardians being in the same situation up here in Cleveland, I think that's it. there's a chance for some collaboration to really make something that's good for the end consumer who just wants to watch their favorite teams and doesn't want it to suck and everything. I, I think if, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, I'm sure listeners have heard this, Tom, and, or maybe have their experience with it, Bally as an app has been horrible for people. It doesn't work. It's expensive. I, I think you could people should be asking more, and I think with we'll see how other teams ultimately kind of feel and how the fans feel about it. It's now a really good moment for the Cavs to do something that, even if the finances look a little bit different, to do something that actually puts basketball in front of as many of their fans as possible at, a, at an affordable cost. People can pay for stuff, and but it has to be worth their, their money. It has to be worth their time. Chris Manning, my guest. He's the host of the Locked On Cavaliers and the Just Basketball podcast. Download, subscribe, and listen to those wherever you do your podcast. You can also read his stuff at fearthesword.com. Chris, thanks so much for the time today. Enjoy the next couple of weeks. We'll chat soon. Hey, anytime. Thanks, Eric. Up next, we head south here in the Buckeye State. Paul Keels checks in on Cincinnati right here on the Ohio News Network. It's NFL football on the fan. 
Catch the Ravens as they head to L.A. to battle the Chargers. Live coverage starts tonight after Browns postgame. Sponsored by Roosters. A fun casual joint. Your radio home of the NFL. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. Now let's go to Paul Keels on the Ohio Sports Magazine, checking in on Cincinnati. It's our pleasure, as always, to talk with James Rapine, part of the Locked on Bengals podcast, and we discuss things on the heels of the Bengals' loss at Baltimore. And obviously, James, there's going to be some time between now and when this show airs on some of our affiliate stations, but could you feel the collective oh-no from Bengals fans when Joe Burrow's wrist injury occurred last night? No doubt. No doubt. I, I think not just fans, the entire team. And it's it's really tough to overcome that when you deal with that and he, he tries to throw and you see the sight of him just wincing in pain and, and he can't, can't grip the ball. And uh, it's uh, obviously unfortunate. We know how much he means to the franchise, to the city, and obviously to the team every every game. So we'll see. We'll see how long he's out. But but obviously if uh, if he is out and misses time, it makes it that much harder for the Bengals to, to make a playoff run for a third straight season. Yeah, I was going to get to that eventually. But the next point I want to ask you about, James, is uh, the guy that then took over, Jake Browning. We had a chance to see him play in a Rose Bowl when Washington and Ohio State played. But just kind of your take on what you've seen from him through the preseason and what he's done in mop-up duty. Yeah, I like his athleticism. He's he's a good runner at 40 yards rushing on on Thursday night. He's pretty accurate. The the thing that concerns me about Jake is just overall arm strength. I, I think he's an intelligent quarterback, but there are just certain throws in the league, different than Washington, of course, that you have to make. And especially in this offense, it's a pass first offense. And I get it; they'll lean on the run much more, but he's still going to have to make those throws. So we'll see. But uh, no, there there are some things to like about him and. Uh, I thought he did a, a decent job considering the circumstances on the road Thursday night for football, first NFL regular season reps. And uh, he was by far their best quarterback, beating out Trevor Simeon in training camp. So I'm not uh, shocked at all that he is their number two guy. You know, James, does it kind of point out, and maybe there's some different situations, but the precarious spot the teams are in with backup quarterbacks in professional football nowadays? It, you almost make a choice, and you make a choice if you're a franchise to invest significant assets into the backup quarterback spot, and uh, you know that means five million, six million, eight million dollars for a backup quarterback, or you go the other route, like the Bengals have done, where you, you try to spend those resources elsewhere, and it's uh, it's fine when you don't have an injury, and when you do. You, you probably wish you had invested more uh, for an experienced veteran backup. So it's uh, it's a double-edged sword, and, and unfortunately this year we're, we're seeing it with the Bengals, obviously early on with the calf injury and Joe Burrow, and, and, and now with this wrist issue. Well, it's understandable to focus, James, on what's gone on with Joe's injury. There's injuries on the defense that uh, are kind of part of this whole puzzle right now, aren't there? Yeah, Cam Taylor-Britt dealing with a, a quad injury. It sounds like the... There, there's optimism about him, and uh, who knows, with the, the extra long layoff, I think he could suit up against Pittsburgh, which is, is very important for that defense. Sam Hubbard was out again. We'll see if the the essentially 10 days, like I said, between games uh, gives him a chance to suit up against Pittsburgh. It would be really nice to have him uh, against a, a run-heavy Pittsburgh team. And, and then Trey Hendrickson, I, I think, is the, the one that stands out 
the most defensively, the fact that he was able to play on Thursday night and play pretty effectively, especially early on, despite hyperextending his knee against the Texans. So that was good to see. Hopefully he didn't have any kind of setback and can keep uh, keep playing moving forward. Now you alluded to it, James. When you consider the difficulties that the Bengals have had early on against divisional opponents, just how do you look at the difficult position the Bengals have been put in right now? It's it's an uphill uphill climb. I mean, what a difference five days makes. You're going into that Houston game, and they're five and three. You're thinking, all right, they have a good shot to get to six and three, and then it's a a showdown in Baltimore with essentially first place in the division potentially on the line. And instead, you look up and they're they're five and five. Their quarterback is hurt, and and things just they change so quickly in the NFL. So can they find a way? to scrape by without Burrow or with a a limited Burrow, which either way, and I think that's probably the most optimistic uh, you can be as a limited Burrow against Pittsburgh and maybe multiple games without Joe. I think that's where you're at. I watched uh, Paul Ryan Finley lead the 2020 Bengals past the Steelers (laughs) on Monday night football. I remember that. Yeah, you don't want to rule anything out, but uh, this coaching staff certainly has an uphill climb. This team has an uphill climb going into next week. And is part of that uphill climb just the difficulty, even outside of the division of the schedule? Yes, for sure. And it, it, you start with Pittsburgh at home, and, and obviously they're a good team. It's a tough division rival. Then you hit the road. You go to Jacksonville on Monday night. The good news is you get an extra day there, so that is interesting when it comes to, to injury watch, if you want to look at it that way. And so those are two huge AFC games that uh, the Bengals when healthy, you would like their chances, I think, in both of them. But right now, everything's up in the air. Yeah, no question. James Rapine from the Locked on Bengals podcast. We would encourage folks to check it out. As always, James, thanks for your time. It is very much appreciated. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Paul. We'll have more of the Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Hey, folks, it's game day, and the betting's going to be intense, Drew. You said it, Dave, but a good pregame routine keeps betting responsible. That's right. you got to pause before you play. Good call. Sports betting is hot, but it can be risky. And pausing to set limits is an all-star move. That's right, Dave. If you bet on sports, pause before you play to set limits, recognize the risk, and know when to stop. Learn more at pausebeforeyouplay.org. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. From the Ohio News Network. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. Give us a call today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000, 614 614- for Would it be convenient for you if you could simply take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. I buy vacant properties, inherited homes, divorce situations, death in the family, apartment buildings, rental portfolios. I even
even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. Call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer and speak with one of our friendly staff members at 614-470-2000, 614-470-2000. And now, Public Education Matters with Ohio Education Association President Scott Tomorrow. As we gather with friends and family around the Thanksgiving table this week, let's be thankful for our strong communities and Ohio's great public schools that serve every student. No exceptions. To the teachers, education support professionals, caregivers, and others who work together every day to set students up for success, we are thankful for you. Public Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. I don't know what I want to do. I'm just not sure that college is right for me. Have you considered a career in dental assisting? I love my job as a dental assistant. I have flexible work hours, the money is good, and I get to work in a professional, people-oriented dental office. What I really love about my job is knowing that I give people a healthy smile. For more information about becoming a dental assistant, contact your high school guidance counselor. Or if you are no longer in school, talk to a dentist in your community or visit ODA. This message is brought to you by the members of the Ohio Dental Association. The, 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 fan, the fan, Ohio's sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Welcome back to the Ohio Sports Magazine. It's the ultimate Cleveland sports show. And let's check in with our producer, Colin Berenger. Thanks, Matt. This week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, following the victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Browns signed veteran quarterback and Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco to their practice squad. The guys debate the impact of this signing and if we will see him on the field sometime this season. But let's go back in time a little bit to 2012. The Super Bowl winning quarterback that year is now the Browns practice squad quarterback. That is Joe Flacco, who they signed this morning. He's expected to be elevated to the active roster. And guys, we talked about it on Friday. When they worked out Joe Flacco, they didn't sign him, but he is now part of the Cleveland Browns. It is official. And what are your thoughts on Joe Flacco joining the Browns quarterback room? I like it, guys, and I'm fine with him being here, but I hope he never plays a game for the Browns. That's right. I want the, first of all, with this right now the Browns offensive line a little leaky. And DTR is able to make plays with his legs. He made a couple of big plays with his legs. Joe Flacco is incapable of doing that. He can't do anything with his legs. So, listen, unless DTR is a complete disaster, I mean, he's, he's turning the ball over at a crazy rate. Joe Flacco has no upside. Zero, zilch, nothing. Well, experience. No, but we. I'm saying what he does on the field, we know there's no, like, secret part of his game that at 40 all of a sudden is going to come out. We don't know what DTR is. Wait, how old is Joe Flacco? How old do you think he is? I'd say he's 35. 38. 38? 38. 38. I'm thinking about 39. Okay. Okay. So I look at DTR and I say, I don't know where the ceiling is. The odds are it's a lot higher than what Joe Flacco's ceiling is at this point in his career. Uh, Joe Flacco's a limited... Well, moving forward, there's no question about that. Yeah. Joe's best football's behind him. DTR's is ahead. Right, and so I'm going to keep playing DTR because he made big improvements from his first start to his second start. Right. As long as the, the arrow continues to point up ever so slightly, that's fine because he, the turnover was not his fault. He didn't make it, He didn't really make any dangerous throws in this game that were like, oh my God, they got lucky that wasn't intercepted. Uh, Joe Flacco has been on the couch and he's 38 years old. So I'm not playing him unless I, I feel like I got no. I'll play him over PJ Walker. 
Yeah. Because I know P.J. Walker has He's no upside. He's basically the insurance policy. Yes. But I'm hoping that DTR continues to show little progress, little progress. Yeah. That by the time we get to the playoffs... He's reached that adequate level, and and with a great defense, we can you know they can win that way. Hopefully, but I, I have no interest. in Do you guys agree player. with that? That it, yeah, I don't want to see him. I, I, I'm exactly the same place. I, I don't want to see him unless <clears throat> there's an injury or unless DTR is nine of twenty four with four picks. Right. His, like okay, then break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, right. That Joe situation. Flacco. His most value could come should come in the film room in the quarterback room during the week. Right. You know, Deshaun, I think, is going to have the surgery this week, so he's probably going to be out. You know, right. she was at the game yesterday, but he's not going to be around this week for game prep. Sure. It's it's a veteran who's seen it all, who knows it all, who's experienced yeah. it all. In this division. Who, yeah. In I this think it's division. like a second offensive coordinator who's won a Super Bowl. So he, I think in that regard, he can be invaluable. If you put him on the field expecting to win you a game, God help you. Yeah, like, you're dropping out. He can't move. <clears throat> but if he's the last option... I think he's better than P.J. I'd rather have him out there than P.J. Walker. Yes, I, I, just think, I don't think there's it. really anything bad about this. No. Someone texted me no. this morning, ooh, Deshaun's going to be pissed. No, he's not. No. Why? Because no. in your point, well, Come you know, he's like, oh, why are they bringing a veteran in to do what Deshaun no. can do? Come well, on. Deshaun can't step on the field. Right. Yeah. And right. Joe can't. And, and the that's thing, the difference. The thing that I, I guess just annoys me a little bit is like, why didn't you do this a month ago? I and, know. And Zach and I had this discussion, yeah. and he said timing's important. And, you know, Deshaun just got ruled out for the season recently. And if you go back and you look week by week by week, I guess you can make a case for why this didn't happen. I agree. I think Flacco's probably better than P.J. Walker. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's been golfing up until yesterday, yeah. he's probably still better. Is there a Man. reason that we haven't thought of that organizationally, like contract? Because it was weird. They brought him in last week. Sent yeah. him home without signing him, and I thought well, they probably had an unwritten think, agreement. Right? I think no one told me this. Oh. I think we talk about the cap all the time. Every dollar matters. Why would you? It's a game check if you sign him on Friday. And he can't play. He's not going to play. No. Why would you give him that prorated money for that week? If you wait an extra week, the money comes down, the cap number comes down. It's not much, but it's mar- But it matters. If he's not going to play, why do right. it? You have to. And in terms of practice squad spots and fifty threes and everything else, I think. Do you more think they had a handshake deal? Because my fear Probably. was this: oh, yeah. he's he's taking a flight to Cincinnati right now, and the Bengals are going to sign. No, him. I think that they they knew when he left how it was going to go. Okay, I, I think I think we're, we're downplaying this a little bit too much. <clears throat> the reason I like this move, and I think it's a home run, um, is because a you get somebody that is going to be able to accelerate the, the learning curve from for DTR. He's going to be able to tell him this is what you're looking for in this coverage. He's going to be, he was going to be able to tell him how to break apart films. And, and more importantly, I think the Cleveland Browns are telling you that this is the anti-punt move. Actually, they're going for this they're one. They're all in. The one. Yeah. yeah. Because they're saying, okay, if we got one quarterback to go out and get, which one can we get that really makes a difference in a pinch? I thought they looked at what happened with the San Francisco 49ers last year and said the San Francisco 49ers was at a place where their defense was playing lights out and they could not beat the Eagles because they didn't have a quarterback. There was he, George Kittle was ready to take snap, direct snaps. <laughs> That's a fact. In, in one-game scenarios, if DTR gets you to the playoffs or even it looks like they're going to be in the playoffs, and DTR gets knocked out of that game. He's mobile. He's he's slight of of, of frame. He is tiny. For, he is little for one game. Yeah, and the defense has not had any tape on Joe Flacco. He could win you one game. To catch the full breakdown, just search the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube. Subscribe to their page and enjoy daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue on the Ohio News Network. 
Calling all crew fans. Join us every week for Inside the Crew. It's a show about soccer. Tuesday night at 9. Sponsored by Coda, a trusted mobility sponsor of the Columbus Crew. Your flagship home for the Columbus Crew, the fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Matt Andrews. Better put a wrap on this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Our thanks to our Paul Keels, along with Neil Sika, for joining us on this week's show and all of our guests. Happy Thanksgiving weekend again, wherever you have enjoyed yours. Thanks as well to our Locked On contributions this week. Now for our Eric Reeser and producer Colin Berenger, I'm Matt Andrews. We'll have a new show for you next week right here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD2 